This episode is brought to you by Brothers and Bonds Co. With an expertly curated line of Masonic apparel, gifts, and accessories, we're excited to show you what makes us uniquely Brothers and Bonds. As a listener of this podcast, we're offering you 10% off your first order with us. Just use code TRAVELINGMAN at checkout. That's uppercase, all one word, T-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-G-M-A-N. Be sure to find us on Instagram or at brothersandbonds.com. Hello, welcome to episode 66 of the Traveling Man Masonic Podcast here in the 24th District of Ohio, a podcast where we discuss our Masonic journeys, thoughts, family, life, future, connections made through the craft, and so much more. I'm your host, Worshipful Brother Jim Hall. On today's show, we'll feature Right Worshipful Brother Brad Billings, past Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Texas. The opinions discussed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Okay, we are here on episode 66 of The Traveling Man, and we have Right Worshipful Brother Brad Billings. Right Worshipful, thank you for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. I'm excited. I know I shot you a couple of Instagram messages back when you were uh, running all over the state and I knew you were pretty busy. So figure we just wait till everything, uh, you know, settled down. We could take a deep breath and get into it. So I'm glad you got on here. I'm, I'm excited for it. Why don't you give the people out there a little bit about you, who you are, where you're located, what jurisdiction and some of your appendant bodies in the lodge. For sure. Um, before we get into that, I just want to say thanks for the opportunity. Sure. Uh, I know that we did definitely have some, uh, it wasn't phone tag. It was, uh, I guess, you know, social media tag going Right, right. and uh, life was pretty crazy last year. So uh, anyway, thanks for uh, allowing me to come on now. Um, Brad Billings, I'm from Texas, born and raised, uh, grew up in a small town outside of Lubbock, went to college at, at Lubbock and, uh, you know, been in Texas my whole life. So I'm unapologetically Texan. Uh, we are very <laughs> proud of our state. And I'm that's sure we'll right. some of that as we come through the podcast, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that's who I am. Uh, married to my lovely wife, Brittany. This is our 10th year of marriage. And, uh, we have a son, four-year-old Grayson, uh, who is, he basically runs our lives. He runs our schedules and everything's based on him and we wouldn't have it any other way. Sure. And that's just a little bit about me. Uh, masonry started for me right after college. I don't know why I wanted to wait till after college. Well, I, I do know why, um, but um, I was very involved in college. I was in about 25, I think, student organizations. Oh, my and God. So okay. My plate was already really full. Uh, yeah, that, that started in high school. Uh, high school, I was in about 20 organizations, um, small town. Got I mean, I would play football, and then I would go throw off my shoulder pads and play in the band at the halftime when we had to march, and then yeah. I'd go back to football. So it was just small town mentality and carried that into college. And then when I joined Masonry right after college, I was a member of several different groups. Okay. Um, but the idea was, you know, I joined everything. Um, yeah. I joined a, a political group. I joined, uh, you know, my alumni association at my university, you know, just everything to kind of get to know people in this, the new Metroplex DFW where I live, Dallas, Fort Worth. Okay. And, um, so I joined masonry, uh, just kind of 
because my great grandfather was a Mason and I wanted to keep the fan family lineage going. Yeah, grandfather not, didn't join. Not uh grandfather, father were not Masons. We're not. So okay. it was my great grandfather was still alive. Uh, and wow. I wanted to join yeah. uh, to kind of keep the family lineage going. But I really, you know, I thought Masonry, okay, it's cool. It's, you know, a little, I knew a little bit about it, but not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and what I found is after I joined, um, I really enjoyed it, like immediately enjoyed it. Yeah. And so then I joined um, the, I, literally I became a master Mason on a Wednesday, gave my proficiency on a Friday and I was a 32nd Scottish Rite Mason on Saturday. Oh. So, um, cause we met, we met in the Scottish Rite building. So it was a kind of a given that we were all going to join the Scottish Rite, yeah. uh, joined the York Rite a few months later and slowly, but surely, uh, the other groups that I was a part of, I did less and less of them. And I did more and more of the Masonic groups. I just, I got more out of it. Yeah. Uh, I was making those connections. It felt like family. So I just spent more and more time doing the Masonic side of things. So that's kind of how I got into it and got as involved as I am. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here as we we call them at the lodge level prospect managers, guys that come in on the internet and you kind of got to feel them out to see, you know, could they be potential masons? And you said joining all these, you know, community organizations. I'm like I'm like, "Oh, yeah, Scottish right, York right. <laughs> we can give you all kinds of petitions. I love it." <laughs> well, it it really is. So, you know, I like I said, from an early age, uh, high school, I was involved in everything. Um, and that's where it just evolved from. So, I'm always going to be involved with something. It just so happened that masonry uh had all these different independent bodies and things that I could join and be active in. And I would see the same guys at some of them, but then there were always new guys as well. So I, I was sure. building the family. I was building, you know, that, that network of guys. And I saw more value in that. We, obviously we have things in common being Masons. So right. it was so much easier and faster to build friendships. Oh, um, yeah. And I just found way more value in that than I did in these other organizations. So now Masonry is pretty much my only hobby and, uh, right. and I'm happy for that. So a Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I agree 100% with you. You know, every, everything you said is just like, it's spot on. And I love that it's, that's not just Ohio. That's not just Texas. That's if you hear people all over the place and you don't even need to be on a podcast to hear that. People just, when they really get into it, it's like, how could I live without this now? Yeah. So, uh, the, so, the number one thing I hear from guys who joined is, uh, I wish I would have done it earlier. You know, and yeah. I, so I was lucky I joined at 23. Uh, could have joined two years earlier. But uh, I think I joined at the right time and in the right place. So yes, I um, I I think about that all the time. There was a ten year frame where I kind of thought about it, didn't know my grandfather was, but he passed before I could ask him. And I I tell myself that like I would love to be a twenty year mason instead of ten year mason. But right. that but that thought process is if I would have jumped in at nineteen or wherever would I be as involved because I was involved in trying to figure out my life and everything else? So, you know, a little bit of that div divine providence kind of found me when it needed to. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm a big believer in divine providence. You'll probably hear it throughout this, uh, this podcast episode multiple times, but uh, people that tell me that, you know, I, I exactly what you said, it finds you when you need it and where it's supposed to be. Um, and I, you know, I've heard so many stories about guys that are so active and they joined at a certain time. Um, they might not have been, if I would have joined when I was in college, I probably wouldn't have been as involved as I am now. So 
uh, you know, if you're kicking yourself for not joining earlier, don't because uh, now's your opportunity right now and moving forward. So Right. Now, since your grandfather and your father were not Masons, since you've become so active, is that something that they've, if they're still with us, and I apologize if they're not, you know, is that something that they've kind of been a little more curious about or, or are they still, no, they're not doing it. Yeah. So, um, my, my grandfather has now passed away. I was, uh, I was a long-term Mason before he passed, but, uh, but my dad is, um, I think he's, I think he's curious, but he really is small town. Um, and kind of, you know, now all he wants to do is hang out with the grandkids. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't care about his kids anymore. It's grandkids. But, <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's the way it, it, it goes. Um, I don't know. I, I could maybe see him joining someday, but I, I very seriously doubt it. Um, you know, my my thought process now is um, to make sure that I put a good example of it forward for my son yes. uh, to know that, you know, you don't have to be as crazy busy as I am or uh, as I'm going to be um, to be a good Mason, to enjoy masonry. Yeah, um, absolutely. so I, I've got to figure out a way to kind of show that um, because I do think that that's probably scared people like my dad, my best friend. I think it scared them a little bit. They see the level of involvement um, yeah. and they somehow think that's normal. Uh, oh, yeah, we we've had. And obviously, I'm not nearly as busy <laughs> as, as as you are. But I am also a I take pictures and post it all the time where I'm at. And we've had uh, we've had a couple guys that just say, hey, listen, I can't do it because I can't be where you are all the time. And after right. si after sitting down with them, because he was interested in it, he ended up joining because we said, listen, you don't really, I don't know why you'd ever do this, but you don't ever have to go after you become a Mason. I, yeah. I don't know why you'd want to do that, why you'd pay to do that. But, you know, there's still, there are a lot of good Masons out there that don't attend Lodge regularly. But Agreed. Agreed. You're going to have more fun if you do. Yeah. So just, so, just on that note, real yeah. quick. Um, yeah. People see different versions of masonry. They see, you know, this guy's real active on social media or this person travels a lot. You know, the, the best mason is the one who's going to make their own path. Um, figure out your own way. Figure out what you like. Just just yeah. do what you like. I, I People ask me all the time how to be successful in masonry. It's the same thing in life. You know, find what you like to do and keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, if you are beating your head against the wall, going to a state of meeting every month and you just hate it then you're going to hate masonry and it's not, it's not good for masonry or for you. Right. So find what you like, you know, if you're a ritualist, do that. If you're, if you're deep into the philosophy, do that. I do think you need to go to, you know, stated meetings, at least on occasion, just to stay plugged in yeah, uh, with what right. you're doing. But in Texas um, for our, for our grand jurisdiction to have a vote, to have a voice at grand lodge, you have to be a past master. So that's okay. the that's the one place where I tell guys, listen, even if this isn't, you know, 100 percent what you love to do, uh, the lodge administration, um, you owe it to yourself if you're going to be a long term mason to go through that process. Uh, you might end up liking it. You might learn something, whatever the case may be. But outside of that and for that reason, it, you know, if there's something in masonry that you just really don't like, find a way to do the things you enjoy uh, yeah. and you'll be a lot happier and a lot more successful because of it. So. Yeah. And, and you know what, especially getting into that lodge officer's line and moving into that master role, you know, 
I look at my own journey. I'm sure every Mason who's been through that journey looks at it. And I didn't realize the tolls that it was giving me along the way, you know, mm. until yep. I sat back and I know, I know it was my last, last night in the East. And I took a few minutes while everyone else was talking and I was just reminiscing. And I thought about all the things that had came up and I had to do. And, you know, at the time I would have never been able to facilitate that outside of Freemasonry. You know, my job wasn't something that would have led me to do that yeah. leadership and change me and mold me into something that took a little bit of that rough Ashler away, you know? Absolutely. So my two of my favorite jobs, uh, I, I loved, I was junior steward. It was my first position. And thank God the guy in front of me knew how to cook for a large group. I, I can cook, <laughs> but I can't cook for a large group. Yeah. Um, I've since learned, obviously. But, um, you know, he said, I'll cook if you'll clean. And so picking up the plates, you know, serving the brothers as they were going through the line, uh, I something I would have never signed up for, something I would never would have been like, yes, sign me up for that. But I <laughs> yeah. truly enjoyed it. Uh, and it kind of set the foundation for for everything, you know, even up to Grandmaster, just, you know, when you start with that kind of servant leadership, yes. um, I understand why my lodge starts everybody off in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, another favorite position of mine was senior deacon. Oh, yeah. um, I was senior deacon in the act activity coordinator for the lodge um so i was you know obviously working closely with the worshipful master but planning a lot of our different activities for the lodge and it was it was an absolute blast i mean i think uh when i was senior deacon i talked probably 75 percent of those meetings because it's you know this committee brad this committee brad yeah. so it was just uh it was it was a blast you know and if i if i hadn't gone through that that journey of the chairs um then i never would have had those experiences so i i agree with you a lot of times you know give it a shot because you really might find that you like it more than you ever knew you would or could. yeah yeah now you know obviously you joined and uh you know we're 30 second and three days and <laughs> but you know you kind of hit the ground running so at what point did you transition from just being a Mason to moving into that junior steward chair? Was that pretty quick or was that a, you kind of yeah. started feeling everything out and then went it, that way? What happened? I was raised in, um, I was raised in February and then in, uh, it was either June or July. I can't remember. We, we do our installations June 24th to, you know, July 31st. So th that next installation season I was put in as junior steward. Oh, wow. So you're ready to rocking and rolling. Yep, and uh, and our line we had a we had a fairly solid line, but uh, uh, it ended up being very spotty. We had a couple of guys that had to move out for different reasons or step aside and do the work. So uh, yeah, that, my progression went. Uh, uh, let's see here: junior steward, junior deacon, senior deacon, junior warden, master. I skipped oh, the west. Oh, skipped the west. Okay, that's. Normally the, it's the it's, guy directly in front of me, big work restructure, like three months before he was supposed to take the East and it, oh. was, it was our centennial year. So, um, a lot of planning had already started. I was very heavily involved with a lot of that. And, uh, so there was a, there was a debate. I remember in Lodge, we kind of had an open meeting, uh, not an open meeting, it was a closed meeting, but, uh, to determine whether they were going to put a past master back in or allow me to, to advance. In yeah. Texas, you only have to serve, have served as one of the wardens to be installed master. 
Okay. And so, uh, so I won out on that and was the centennial master of my lodge. And it was a crazy busy year, but we had a lot of fun. I am hoping that you got pictures from that. That that'll come into frame later on. But anyways, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I got a I got a ton of pictures. <laughs> I I knew that wasn't going to be a problem, but you know, there there are some guys that hop on. It's like, man, I hope we have a Polaroid in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I have to go back. I have a, a installation CD with all my photos on it, like back when we still did CDs. So that was yeah. that was kind of in that transition time. Right, right. Like, so so you you go through the lines you go through and you're centennial master and obviously you're busy and you know i i know the line in the chairs you know you blink and then that those years are over you know you know yep. seven years five years six years whatever it is they go fast so once that happened you know along the build-up were you also being active in these appendant bodies because you know some some guys like myself i'm a member of all of them but I'm kind of blue lodge centered right now because of what I'm doing and where I'm at in my office and district office. And it just doesn't leave a lot of time with family to right. keep a family and, you know, and make it all work and, you know, work correctly. So where, where were you at along the trip? Was those kind of on the back burner or were you still hopping around in there? So too? I was still very active, uh, Scottish Rite and York Rite at the time. Uh, I didn't join the shrine until uh, a little bit later. Uh, but I, I've always been a big, believer and kind of lay out the trestle board right and, and yeah it's what we're taught and this is your life and this is your journey so you lay out your trestle board so i went out of the east um and i didn't get married until i went out of the east so that was that was nice. one of the ways i was able to accomplish a lot of the <laughs> well stuff. played <laughs> yes yeah like so we got engaged uh before i went in as master like uh five or six months before i went in as master and we didn't get married till after so we had okay. a long engagement to uh because I knew I knew it was gonna be a crazy year. Yeah. Um and immediately after going out of that, I went in as president of our Masters, Wardens, and Secretaries Association, MWSA. I don't not familiar if y'all have those in, in Ohio, but they're is that like at a district level or are you is it that is. like a, okay. It is, but it's not it's not an official position. Like Grand Lodge kind of loosely supports it. Um Grand Lodge definitely supports it, but it's not like a district office. Um Okay. But when I was president of the MWSA in Dallas, we had we had 50 lodges in the 14th district. Wow. Um, OK, and so now it's now it's down to like 41 or something. It's, sure. it's kind of sad. But uh, there were 50 lodges then. And it was a big deal. We would have, you know, 100 people at a state of meeting. Uh, no wow. problem. So it was a it was a big ordeal being president of that. And then um, uh, after the year after that, I was high priest and thrice illustrious master of my chapter and council. And um, a couple of years after that, I was worshipful master of Texas Lodge of Research. So I had things kind of lined out and, and kept going. Uh, by the way, I'm past commander. And I did that the year before I was installed as as um, master of my lodge. Okay. So, I yeah, love it. so definitely stayed active in all the appendant bodies. I didn't get active in shrine until a little bit later. Uh, and that, that one's still kind of when and where I can. Cool. Uh, I'm, I'm a proud Shriner. I just, uh, I don't have as much opportunity. And plus it's a, it's a, depending on traffic and going through Dallas, it's hour to two hours to Ooh. get there. So it, it takes a little bit of work. Yeah. That. yeah. No, no, no. You're right. And, and to compare, you know, Ohio and, and Texas, we have our district officers association and, okay. and that, that would be sort of the same thing 
we set up grandmasters receptions for each district and but but when you go to grand lodge nobody says oh you're the district president you know it's kind of ah, okay you, yeah you know. so that that seems very similar we did the same thing we would facilitate the grandmasters um official visit to our district every year and we were responsible for that he would do his own conference but then we would do a just kind of an official visit yeah uh, yeah so, so 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 once obviously all of this stuff is happening and here's where my knowledge of texas masonry compared to and i and i know i talked to justin jones and and fluff about this a little bit and it's been a minute so i'm sorry know. i'm no. sorry you had to talk to those guys Golly. i i would say fluff talk to me i just listened a lot of that one <laughs> just, I, i've experienced that I, yeah. i've had fluff talk to me a couple of times yeah and then justin <laughs> and i actually we we had a solid four hour recording session and one hour on the beginning and end we're after and before the show we just started talking yeah and we we're like wow we really missed the boat on a lot of talk <laughs> but <laughs> should have just recorded it anyways right yeah 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 but so at at this point what happened in your you know did you go to deputy do you have you know education officers or district lecturers how does the district work do you move into a district line or were you just moving into grand line how does that all come yeah. together well it's it's interesting the way it's set up is any past master any any past master from any lodge can make themselves available for grand junior warden and in texas it is 100 percent. you get the votes you win it doesn't wow. there's no there's no appointment there's no nothing uh yeah so the top four offices um grand junior warden is where we elect kind of the bottom of the line and from that point on, uh, you're, you know, obviously you're a shoe in to move to the next station uh, unless you do something that really upsets the crap. Right. So, um, so yeah, so anybody can run for Grand Junior Award. Now, most people don't run until they kind of have a, a pedigree, a, you know, a resume, whatever you want to say. Yeah. And so mine went, uh, I was master of logic research, um, which so first of all, president of the MWSA, that's like a district type uh, role for us. It, is, it does hold some weight, particularly in the bigger areas like Dallas or Houston. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I went to uh, Master of Texas Logic Research, which is a very, you know, uh, I guess, well-esteemed group within our state. But it's one of two statewide lodges that we have. We have uh, Lodge Research and Tranquility. So yes. to be a master of one of those lodges, you know, is kind of you're making your connections throughout the state. Um, okay. And then 2017, um, I was the grand junior, no, 20, yeah, got to get my date straight. 2017, I was district deputy grandmaster. 2018, I was um, grand junior steward. Um of the Grand Lodge, and then I ran for the bottom of the line and was elected in 2019. Now, uh, Grand Junior Steward, it, that's an appointment, am I correct? It is an appointment, correct. That, in, in Texas, it's a little bit, and even a lot of the Texas guys don't know this, but the Grand Junior Warden appoints the two Grand Stewards. Those are his oh, appointments. Okay. It has to be, obviously has to be ratified by the Grand Master, but I've never seen one denied. Um, the grand senior warden chooses the grand pursuivant and the grand junior deacon. And then the grand master appoints everybody else. Deputy gets no appointments. Don't ask me why. I don't know, but he gets wow. no appointments. Yep. Uh, he's, 
he's got to prep his year. If, if, yeah, he's you prepping know. his year. He's getting his committees all together. And I mean, we we have it, it's extensive in Texas. We have district deputy grandmasters, but because we have uh, seven hundred and sixty some odd lodges, and each district deputy is typically required to make two visits uh, to those lodges during the year. So we have you know around about one hundred and forty. Uh, district deputies. So, I mean, that's, that's a picking that team is uh, it is work. It is, yeah. it's a labor of love, but it's work. And then we have DDGMs at large. Uh, we have, uh, I had DEOs, district education officers and DCOs, district communication officers. Okay. And, uh, and then we have district instructors. Um, those pretty much stay the same year to year. There's always a few changes. Uh, those are the guys that teach the ritual work. And then, uh, and then you have your grand officers that you got to pick. So it is, it is a an extensive team of guys that you put together for for that year. Okay. Now, once once you get elected, are you? Is it straightforward from there? Or are you getting elected every year? You get elected every year, but I would say it's more ceremony than anything. So okay. once you're elected grand junior warden, uh, it's it's presumed when we elect grand junior warden that that guy will be grandmaster. So. Okay. And, okay. and so much so that, you know, after we elect grand junior warden in our grand lodge, half the guys just leave. because like, all right, we, we got the next guy in there. So, it's over. Uh, kind of sad, but it, it does happen every year. So. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. In in Ohio, we have. Um, it, it's actually eight, eight positions, and the only appointed position would be the grand Tyler grand chaplain. Okay. Yeah. I want, to, I want to say, and then the junior grand deacon would mm. be the moving line appointment. Now, yeah. junior, junior, senior grand deacons, the grand order, and the grand marshal each year are appointed. But once again, these are my thoughts, not the Grand Lodge of Ohio or the Grand Lodge of Texas thoughts. We're just, there you go. Thank you for that. We are just Covered. talking. That that will be it. <laughs> That will be at the beginning of the show, but sometimes it's nice <laughs> to throw that in there again. It, it never hurts to throw it in. Remind yeah. remind the listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. So y'all are y'all are an appointment. And uh, you know, there are several grand lodges that that have that appointment style system. Uh, ours is ours is very much uh every year. Who's who's running this year? You know, who's yeah. gonna make themselves available is what sure. we call it, um, with the statement of availability uh oh, yeah. to to run for that office. And this year I believe we have uh four or five um okay. so some years there's only been one um that's a rare case most years it's at least two uh usually two to three sure. and then some years we get four or five so now you know when you throw your hat into that ring is that something where now you're going around the law just talking about it asking or are you just basically going around and making connections and hopefully they see this is the guy or you know uh, how does that work it hopefully it's a little bit of both um if you're making yourself available hopefully you already have a lot of those connections and uh, when you go to a lodge uh, someone will stand up and say hey you know this is this is my friend and he's made himself available for this office if you want to talk to him about it um because the one thing that we can't do obviously is you can't go into a lodge and say hey i'm running for this office Vote for <laughs> yeah me. sure because uh, that would be very uncomfortable for everybody so yeah, you, you got to make the rounds. And uh, as as a younger guy, um, I started in 2017, uh, continued it in 2018 to make the run uh, for January of 19. And okay. uh, so that's that's 
how I went about it. Um, but I did that mainly because I, I, a, I already had connections everywhere, active York, right. Scottish, right. Um, oh. active Texas Lodge of research. So I was already traveling the state pretty heavily, um, in 2015. And then I just continued that on all, all the way through. So. Now, now was that something at that, you know, seven, I'm going to say 17 when you became deputy, is that something did it click there? Hey, I, this may be a possibility. Was it in your head? I know, especially on, in Ohio, it's very like, I would never tell somebody, Hey, I'd like to be in grand line. Cause then they're like, this, this isn't the guy. Right. right. You know, but obviously it's a, it's a whole different aspect because you're, you're voting on these people when, you know, is that something, when did that come into your head? So uh, we were actually um, at a, you know, kind of a sharing a drink afterwards with several friends, uh, very long days, you know, at the Grand Lodge. I mean, yeah. we have a lot of business and it's uh, not all of it's fun and exciting. A lot <laughs> of it's tedious and just stuff that we have to get through. Sure. So we were enjoying a beverage afterwards, sitting around and uh, one of my best friends, uh, oldest friends in, in masonry said, you know, you, you really ought to consider running in this year. I know you want to do it. And this guy, you know, he had, he had clout. He he was not, you know, just my friend that's a casual Mason saying I yeah. should run. Um, he was, he was, you know, well vetted type guy and said, you know, you should think about it. Uh, so the next day at Grand Lodge talked to a couple other guys uh, that knew I were, I, I was going to do it at some point. So, you know, what do you think about doing it now uh, instead of waiting 20 years and uh, got a lot of positive feedback from that group. And that kind of became my core team as we move forward. Um, but the the main thing that clicked in my mind was, you know, okay, I'm doing all all the things that you know the people in front of me have done to to run for this office. Yeah. Do I want to wait and do these for another twenty years? Um, whatever path we're going down right now is the path we're going to stay on. Or do I want to try to jump in early and shake things up and see if I can't change the trajectory of where we're headed? Yeah. And, you know, the 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 old adage that I had in the back of my mind, I don't know why it's stuck, but, you know, I don't want to be grandmaster with 20 guys meeting in a back room at a Denny's, you know, yes. like a dinner club. Um, so I decided to jump in and try to change the trajectory. And that was, uh, you know, it was a, a big step, but a necessary one that, that clicked in my head and that's that's what gave me the motivation to move forward yeah and I, you know what i love that i love as an outsider and this is you know i i'm very close with a lot of past grants from ohio and i like a lot of the stuff they've done but as a younger man and i just turned 39 so i still feel young even though i don't yeah my, my knee and my wait till and... next year buddy i'm telling you <laughs> it's all falling <laughs> apart you know but when you see, especially at that grand level, uh, a young grandmaster, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, you know, and I, I really was honing in on watching what you guys were doing, where you were going, how active it was, and how open the channels of social, me social media were. Like, I right. really, really enjoyed. And there are, there are guys all over the state, all over the country that are getting into that social media movement. But there are a lot of Masons that sometimes say, I'd rather not, you know, we're not supposed to promote. We're, you know, so, kind of get, get in that. We, 
this is the way we've always done things, which I don't like ever. But yes, I, I, I definitely have had my fair share of, uh, of those comments. Uh, I, I feel like kind of where you're going, it's two-sided. The first thing, um, being a younger grandmaster, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, uh, to do the things right, um, to sure. make it different and exciting, but not so far from, you know, what people recognize as masonry that people are like, okay, uh, my, my goal was I wanted to have younger guys behind me to have opportunity to serve. And if I did a poor job, um, you know, that door might be closed to them. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure I put on myself and on the team saying, you know, we have to get these things right. Um, not, not be afraid to fail, but we have to get these things right. And we have to do, you know, a certain level of the regular stuff, the usual stuff, maybe put our own spin on it but yeah. not change things completely. And so that was a, that was a challenge that we faced as a team, but I, I think we did it successfully. Not everything was a huge success, but everything was a little bit different and um, showed people that things can be done differently and still be uh, what they recognize as masonry. And then the, the second side of that, and this does come from being, you know, a younger Mason is the social media side of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, People don't read newspapers anymore. No. If you're not doing something on social media, they don't know that you exist. Don't. And how can they want to join an organization if they don't know that it even exists? Yes. And so I think that we're getting better at that. Uh, you know, the silent generation and the baby boomers kind of followed them. Those guys didn't talk about anything. So they didn't want anything out there. Right, um, and right. I think I think the young guys, we've got to be careful about putting too much out there. But at the same time, if we don't tell our story, someone else is telling our story and it's not yes. going to be a positive one. Yes. So we have to craft and tell our story. And so what we came up with, um, obviously, running a grand jurisdiction can be exhausting and you know, there's a lot of things going on. Um, so we came up with a social media calendar and we had it planned on this day. We're going to post this on this there. And we had we had about you know, maybe half, maybe three quarters of that full of, you know, memes or whatever we were going to put out. Yeah. Uh, funny thing. One of the most popular memes from last year was, uh, you know, in the February post, I'm holding up a Bucky Beaver instead of Pakistani Phil, you know, for um, Groundhog Day. Yeah. And it just blew up. I mean, people loved it. And that was just kind of a silly thing we did. We did everything from something like that just to get attention and have a little fun with it. Uh, to serious posts about what we're doing or what's coming up. Uh, we had 13 days on the Alamo because there was a 13 day siege on the Alamo. Yeah. And that was very serious. Every day we kind of posted what happened leading up to the fall of the Alamo. And, uh, and that culminated with us, you know, doing a thousand Mason March uh, in San Antonio, which was outstanding. Yes. So we, we use social media to enhance everything we did last year. Um, some stuff we would have done differently looking back in hindsight, but at least now we know, uh, but for the most part, just involving social media from the beginning and making it an integral part of of the 22 plan uh, really, really boosted a lot of what we did and amplified it out to yeah. people that couldn't be there. So. And, you know, I love I love the aspect of that social media where you are serious about it. You know, you have the Alamo Day, you're telling people about what's going on and what you're doing. But there's also that fun quirky side of social media where you put memes up and you have fun with it because I rem I remember memes a lot more than I remember historical posts not that I don't I I love history but I love a good meme everybody does right 
and and it's just like masonry you know um what attracts different people to masonry is all it's all over the board and if all we're doing is you know cardboard boring here's our state of meeting boom 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 nobody nobody gets excited about that you know you throw a crazy meme in there and then all of a sudden you know it's blowing up and being shared in other grand jurisdictions and yeah uh, even around the world um, one of the one of the crazy things when i was making myself available one of my friends uh wanted me to be at this meeting he wanted me to be there so bad and i told him i can't be there i won't be there he goes oh yeah you will i said i promise you unless you can call <laughs> me i won't be there so he made a flat version of just my face and put it on a, a stick okay. and he had it at his meeting and that blew up. I mean, it was, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but he had a great time with it. Next thing I know, uh, you know, a buddy of mine in Pennsylvania has one at his stated meeting. It made yeah. it all the way over to Scotland uh, wow. somehow. So, you know, social media can be very powerful and, but, it, but it doesn't need to be all uh, boring and boxed up. Yes. Um, we need to have our serious moments, just like in masonry. We have uh, solemn moments. We also yeah. have those those fun and active moments. And if we're not showing society both of those, that we do both of those, then you're going to only attract, you know, one half or one third of society. Uh, we need to show all the aspects of masonry um, yeah. in our lodge, on our social media, in our lives. And that will lead those people to us uh, to join if they're interested. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. Now, to to back up just a hair to to you being installed grandmaster. And I've had a few on. You know, I know myself and I've I've just strictly been a master of East Palestine Lodge and I'm a district education officer. But I know when I sat in the east in my installation, you know, my lodge has been around 150 55 or 58 years, I can't remember off the top of my head. There were 157 other masters that sat there. And, yeah. you know, just the weight of that responsibility, it was it was something that was moving. It was very daunting. And, you know, I wanted to make sure I measured up and did the best I could for my year in the, you know, East Palestine Lodge. What I'm, I can only imagine that is, you know, times a thousand when you're in the grandees. So tell me a little bit about, you know, your installation and just the feelings that you were going through during that time. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. I mean, it is a roller coaster of emotion. Um, we start out. So the, the grand session was Ken Curry, the grandmaster before me, it was his session. Sure. Um, and at the, towards the end of that session, I was elected. And then at the very end of that se uh, session, um, I was installed. And so you go from dealing with the grand session, which is, you know, all the all the stuff that you have to do during that, then to the installation where now it's transitioning to a new year and uh, and we're going to be installed. We uh, start off back behind the Grand West, which is where the the um, Masons, the brothers that attend sit. Yeah. And we start out in the hallway. And uh, first thing you got lined up are your district deputies. And, you know, like I said, I, I had 150 district deputies when I included my at-large. So, you know, just seeing that group of guys is so overwhelming because we had already um, planned the year. We had already had our training. Um, we had bonded very tightly. We have our own social media closed group with just us. So we were able to communicate with each other and, you know, share stuff as we were coming up. So we we're a very, very tight-knit group to see all those guys, to see the grand officers, uh, those that I had appointed and those that were appointed by the grand junior and senior warden. Sure. Um, 
it, it's just completely overwhelming and emotional. And everybody goes in first. And then uh, the Knights Templar were there and, you know, they were doing the sword salute and it was really, really cool. And then it gets time for myself and my wife and my son to come in. And, uh, and they announced me as Grand Master from the podium, which hearing it for the first time out loud, you know, uh, from the Grand Lodge stage is just something I'll never forget. Sure. And then they cross the swords and I'm sitting here carrying my son with my wife and, and we're arm in arm going through this this crazy arch of steel. Yeah, uh, it was just I mean, it was completely unreal, like, you know, almost like you're floating, experiencing it from a from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, and it was it was very emotional. You know, it was hard to keep it all together. And yeah, at the end, you get to thank everybody. You know, they invest you with the apron and the jewel and they uh, they put you at the altar and pray for you. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a full on Masonic event times, you know, infinity. Yeah. Uh, and then we had something special planned, you know, because obviously very serious, um, but everybody had their own walk in song. So we, we tried to keep it light on the front end. Sure. Uh, you know, for the DDGMs, it was sharp dressed men because they all had uh, they all had vests and ties. And I mean, they were they were dressed in the nines. Yeah. Uh, one one of the cooler things we did, we had a DDGM vest and uh, that's cool. didn't have to buy one. I set up a deal with a with a broker, uh, a clothier. And, uh, you know, I was thinking maybe 80, 90 guys will buy this vest because, you know, it's it's going to definitely be you're DDGM if you're wearing this vest or you're a part of that team. Yeah. We sold 147. That means everybody on the team, but three got one, um, wow. which is pretty outstanding considering these guys come from all over Texas. Sure. Most of the time it's too hot to wear a vest, you know, yeah, <laughs> summertime, but, uh, but it was pretty cool. So they come in wearing their vest. Everybody's got on the district deputy tie pocket square. I mean, they were dressed in line. So that, that song's playing. Uh, you know, uh, different people walk into different songs. Everybody kind of got to choose. Sure. With some, you know, we kept it 80s <laughs> Discretion, theme. yeah. We kept it 80s theme because I'm, I'm an 80s baby. So yeah. uh, so um, I come walking into Don Henley saying, you know, I want my MTV. And then like <laughs> right right when we get to the end of the line, you know, just the 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 riff on the guitar starts playing. It's like, man, this is this That's is different. That's and so cool. all that hits, and uh, so we put some some levity on the front end. Uh, very serious, very solemn ceremony. Took that, you know, uh, extremely serious. And then at the end, something I had done when I was Worshipful Master, installed Worshipful Master in my lodge the first time, I had my nephew, who was three or four at the time, present me with my hat. And everybody yeah. loved it. So now yeah. I've got a two-year-old, uh, and uh, – he's going to present me my hat. So the nephews are flanking him on either side, making sure he knows where he's going because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's just kind of wandering around. Yeah. He walks up, he hands my hat. I give him a hug and give my nephews a hug and everybody, you know, it's a, it's a great moment. Uh, I turn around to go to the East and I look back and he literally jumps down each stair, like a moon jump, like he's walking on the moon and people yeah. just lose their minds. It was the funniest stuff. So it was a it was a great day. It was a mix of, you know, very solemn ceremonies with some levity and some some happiness uh, definitely involved in it as well. And then we, we one of the things that we tried new that had never been done before was normally everybody goes home right after they elect the grand junior warden. Sure. We wanted people to stay for the installation and for uh, you know Saturday night in Waco, Texas. I mean, you already drove here. So right. we did a big party that night. We had. 315 people RSVP, which we thought was pretty outstanding. 
but we had 500 and something people show up. So we, we ran out of food, but nobody, nobody cared. Nobody griped. There were 500 of us in this crazy, you know, uh, club at the, the Waco football stadium. And, uh, and it was a great night all the way around. Um, wouldn't have had it any other way. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have done anything differently except maybe bought more food. Yeah. 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 I, I love the, the themed entrance. The entrance music, the vests—that is a gold idea. Holy cow! Oh, you like... got to see them, man. I'll, I'll I'll send you some pictures. So um, every year, we we get cool swag as Texas. You know, uh, we're a larger jurisdiction, so when you buying something in that kind of bulk, you you know you can get good prices on stuff. Sure. So these vests, um, every grandmaster gets to choose a tie. Right. Uh, same design, typically. But uh, he'll have different colors for uh, the officers and district deputies. He'll have uh, a couple of colors for uh, for just the general membership. So these guys had blue ties on, and the vests that we had made were were black with a blue check in them. So they had like a blue square, going yeah. all, blue squares going up and down. But then the the stroke of genius was the back, the silk satin on the back was made of the same material as their ties. So when they were wearing that vest with the same tie that matched with the pocket square that matched, I, I, I told them, I said, guys, listen, all you got to do is have a black suit or a dark suit. Doesn't even matter. And you put these three things on and your wife's going to be very impressed. And and they were. <laughs> so yeah, sharp dressed men had to be their theme when they were walking in because yeah, yeah. they all looked really dressed to the nines. It was, it was pretty spectacular. I love it. I love it. So at what point in, in the, in the run here, did fluff start hitting you with the TikToks? Because <laughs> because that was the first, you know, I was I I ran into TikTok on COVID, you know, the COVID yeah. thing. And I I'm like, I need something to do. You know, my wife and I stare at us for week at weeks on end, like, what do we do with ourselves? You yeah, know? no doubt. So and um, that's where I ran into fluff. And then I started to see all of this. So tell me a little bit about how that happened and how you kind of jumped on board with it. So I'm I'm not on TikTok. I'm still not on TikTok uh, to sure. this day. Um, but I understand the importance of social media. You know, um, just real quick, we we grabbed an Instagram page, uh, which we now link to our Facebook page, so it, it posts uh, on both. Uh, yeah. We grabbed uh, a Snapchat and whatever else is out there, um, and and we grabbed a TikTok, and we did those mainly to prevent other people from doing it. Yes. But I knew TikTok was kind of a bridge too far. I'm pushing Facebook, you know, to this, oh, yeah. this jurisdiction and like Instagram's real new. So I knew <laughs> TikTok was not going to be, you know, not going to be uh, a topic of great discussion with the trustees. Yeah. So what I did was I, I found guys that were already active on TikTok and allowed them to push, you know, what we were doing, yeah. um, gave them some insights, gave them some interviews. And Fluff was the, the main one. Obviously, he was the guy that I knew best. And yeah. it's from Lubbock, you know, where I'm where I'm originally from. So we get along great. And uh, he was doing great things. You know, he's he's explaining masonry. He's not yeah. uh, he's not trying to make it something it's not. But he's just, you know, putting like I said, putting our story out there sure. and doing a really good job of it. So I really didn't get connected with him until uh, until I was installed. Uh, we had talked back and forth. Uh, we were going to do an uh we were going to do a TikTok live from the stage of Grand Lodge after I got installed. And afterwards, I can't, I found him afterwards. I said, why didn't you come up to me on the stage? You said, well, dude, after your, after your son presented you your hat, I just lost it and I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah. so we had to make up for it later. 
but uh but yeah that was the the plan was to go live right there and kind of start that social media presence immediately sure. um so we we ended up doing it a couple of weeks later at the conference in lubbock um just a couple of we did a fireside chat we did yeah. uh, one in the library where we were talking more about you know kind of directly to members the fireside chat was more for people who are already members yeah um and uh and i just you know continued throughout the year uh jumped on his podcast and continued to uh encourage him to whatever he needed we would we would support him so yeah and, and you know what i love i love the aspect of you see grandmasters in pictures all the time, you know, shaking hands and presenting. And But unless you're at that event, you don't right. get to hear them, especially right. on social media, their voices. So so to have you sitting there and talking about why you love the fraternity, why you love the craft, why you continue to be active in the craft, that's something that's really exciting, something that I think more Masons and non-Masons, but more Masons need to hear because a lot of those guys how many of them get to travel to the event that you're at or are right. active that way? They may be on a social media, but they're not necessarily at Grand Lodge or at these yeah. events. So it's awesome. In Texas, we have that. we have so many Masons that just don't have the opportunity either, you know, work or whatever. So social media is a great way to to not only to reach them, but also to help them feel like they're connected and know what's going on in their Grand Lodge. Uh, we did. We did you know, YouTube videos. Um, I did a couple of YouTube videos with different, different people. Um, and the idea was let's sit down and let's just talk about masonry. Um, that's something that I hope to get back to at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, didn't want to do it this year. You know, but you go out as grandmaster, maybe pump the brakes for a little bit, let the new guys take over. But sure. at some point I'd like to get back to that, just sitting down and having conversation uh, and putting it on YouTube, you know, uh, particularly around a certain subject, um, I know I did one with Joseph Wages on the Illuminati and the idea yeah. was really simple, you know, like let's dispel the myth. Let's talk about who they actually were. Right. And then let's talk about, you know, where we're at today. And, uh, and this guy actually wrote the book. He's from Texas. He's a Texas Mason, but he wrote the book on the Illuminati rituals. So he did all the, all the studying, all the history. Um, right. and, you know, we just put it out there. And I think any logical person that sees that video will be like, oh, okay, this makes sense. This is, this is kind of an old, I don't know why people love Illuminati, but it's, I, it's I kind know. of an old thing and it's not still here. It's not still running the world. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to draw those conclusions, but you got to do stuff like that to, again, put your story out there. Sure. And, and, you know, one of the things in being so open, and this is something I'm a little upset that I wasn't there. I was supposed to be there. Um, and you have to, everybody listening, you have to go on this ride so they can get to the end of the story here. So um, this past year, the George Washington Masonic Memorial Cornerstone Ceremony happened. And, you know, there was a huge parade and they did the ceremony and a bunch of different jurisdictions were there. And that was during the time that the train derailment in East Palestine, which was wild at one point i saw a hashtag east palestine chernobyl which is which like wow. i i can go in my front lawn and see the tracks that happen it's wow. like i'm i'm still here i don't have any growth appendages but you yeah, know that might not no, yeah sure. yeah well <laughs> you know we'll see we'll document but uh so i i had to step out of going down to the down to the memorial and which was a real bummer because i'd had um 
some of my guests on the show were going to be there. And it was the first time I would get to meet them in person, right? And uh -huh. out, out of the blue, Brother Jay Clark from Ohio shoots me a text message of you and him. <laughs> and he's like, you won't believe this. He's like, uh, Brad Billings just came up and he was just walking through. And he's just out talking to guys. And he's like, he just stopped up and said, hey, I'm Brad Billings. And he's <laughs> like... I'm sitting there. I'm like, son of a gun. I'm sitting in my basement at work. <laughs> you know, so yeah. So I I recognize that I knew him from uh, from Facebook. Obviously, he, yeah. he's uh, one of our fellow Masons that posts a lot. And uh, I was walking around. Honestly, if you're a Mason and you're not excited to meet other Masons, then oh, yeah. you really what are you doing? You know, I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, I truly believe on meeting on the level, and yeah. we're all you know we're all just uh, here for a good time. But long story short, uh, I'm walking around with Corey Curtis of Michigan. Yeah. And uh, and we're just, I mean, we're enjoying ourselves. I, I don't even, it, it, to me, it doesn't seem weird at all. We're just walking around, talking to people. I know some people I'm introducing him to and vice versa. And uh, we're just getting to know Masons, you know, and uh, yeah. kind of walking up and down the parade route before we get started. So it was, it was a great day. Um, I wish they would have sold lawn chairs at the event because <laughs> yes, you know, like, there were like a thousand of us standing around. Yeah. I told uh, Sean Iyer at the at the memorial, I was like, if y'all would have sold lawn chairs, y'all could have bought them for five bucks a piece, sold them for 10 bucks a piece. Y'all would have made $5,000 that yeah. day. Right. Um, right. You know, but uh, anyway, missed opportunities. But it was a, it was a great event. Uh, it was cool to meet Jay. It was cool to meet so many other brothers from all around the world. Um, and that's why I love that that part of the world, um, Alexandria. Just every time you go there, there's such a an eclectic group of guys from all over masonry. Um, last time I was there, um, the the Grand Lodge of D.C. Um, had an event going on concurrently with when I was doing a speaking event in Alexandria. And just man, up there, you can go up there and meet like guys from 12 jurisdictions at once. Well, that doesn't wow. happen in Texas. You know, if, if we get one other jurisdiction here, we're excited about it. Yeah. Um, just because we're we're kind of so far away and so spread out. Uh, so it, it's it's fun to go to those parts of the world and do those kind of national type events because you can meet guys from all over. So, yeah, um, it was yeah. a blast. It was good to meet him, too. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I love the aspect of if you're not excited about just going and talking to other Masons, like, what are you doing? Like, that's the the connections it's the essence of it i feel like 100 percent. i you know i love our fraternity and i i uh, i'm more active than most because i love all the aspects of it i love the charity love the history love the ritual love the symbolism love all that but if you strip all of that away we are a brotherhood you know fatherhood of god brotherhood of man yeah let me say that yeah. right <laughs> it's one of the oldest tomes on masonry but it's just it's so accurate like if you strip everything else away that's what it is. And if you are not uh, excited to be part of the brotherhood, then you're really missing the mark on what everything that we are is built on. Yeah. Um, and I, I know past grandmasters from my state and other states that are not uh, friendly or as friendly as they should be. Uh, I hope to never become one of them, uh, because if, if you see me and you know me from social media or otherwise, uh, I hope you come up and say hi, because that's what, to me, that's what masonry is. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So along everybody's path in masonry that I've seen to come, they're always 
some core moments, moments. And obviously you're going to, you're going to have your grandmasters moment because that's, <laughs> that's a real, that's the real deal. Holy cow there, you know, but other than that, there are, you know, what core moments, moments that when you take a second to reflect on your journey are those spotlight moments. You know, I, I can remember being presented my Bible, you know, there, mm. and obviously that's a, that's a pretty generic one, but it's, it was one that I didn't see coming. So, you know, along the way, you know, being installed master, certain things, what, what are your core moments or some of Man, them? Some of them. Uh, <laughs> there's too many to, too many to count. I, for some reason, um, the apron presentation in, in our jurisdiction stuck with me. Uh, there is a line in ours and it's, it's written down. So um, it's, it's not ritual. I can share it, but it says even the purple of our fraternity may rest on your shoulders. Yes. Uh, and I, I remember, I don't know why, but that stuck out in my mind uh, the first time I heard it. And uh, ever since I became grandmaster and now past grandmaster, anytime I attend a degree, if I get to do a part, that's the part I want to do. Cause I want to, I want to impress upon that person that even the purple may rest upon your shoulders, but that, receiving that apron is the highest honor uh, you can have. And so it was such, such an impressionable moment for me when I was installed as grandmaster, literally just put the jewel on the apron, the collar. I immediately took the apron back off and had uh, Jim Rumsey, who is our newly elected grand junior warden yeah. uh, committee on the, a member of the committee on work. I had him represent me uh, the, the white leather apron to prove a point that this is important. Yeah. Um, also, uh, when I was installed master the first time uh, in my lodge, I had uh, another group, uh, a Royal Arts chapter, come in and confer uh, the, the past master's ground. I was already oh. a, a you know Royal Arts Mason, but I loved the lesson of that degree so much that whenever I was installed master in my lodge, I had them redo the degree on me. Uh, obviously, it wasn't official or anything, just um symbolically to to relearn that lesson and yeah. when i was installed grandmaster did the same thing uh had a, a group of royal arch masons from around the state come together and do that degree on people who had never seen it uh, yeah. so that i could see it again and, and remember that important lesson therein uh so those were those were a few key moments um but outside of like you know degrees and awards and honors and stuff like that uh the things i remember most are conversations uh with certain people so my mentor was past Grandmaster Leonard Harvey. He he opened pretty much, you know, all the doors that he could for me. Yeah. Um, uh, and we met through Texas Lodge of Research. And he would, you know, he could drive. Uh, he could have a million other people pick him up. But he started asking me um, at a certain point to pick him up and drive him to meetings, yeah. um, whether they were local or whether they were, you know, other side of the state. And uh, And so those conversations that we had, uh, sometimes they were about masonry. Sometimes they were very serious about masonry. Uh, sometimes they were about absolutely nothing at all. Um, those conversations stuck out. Um, there were other guys in York, right? Particularly early on, uh, David Rogers, who was my grand chaplain last year, he and I uh, have conversations on the phone regularly. And then, you know, just all the conversations I've had with, with friends and mentors and, uh, new guys that are coming in are excited those conversations, those are the ones that I tend to remember the most because they are, uh, they make up who you are, right? Yeah. And uh, the honors, the awards, the accolades, those are all nice. They're, they're truly, you know, I, I genuinely 
appreciate them, but it's, it's that connection with, you know, your other Masons, your brothers that, that really, to me, stick out in my mind. So, yeah, I, I love the, the conversation aspect. I know when you're traveling, when you're running and doing so many different things in Masonry, sometimes it, you know, long nights, long travels, it wears on you. I know that podcasting and editing podcasts and, you know, all of that, there are times when it's like, you know what, I'd rather be watching the game right now than listening, <laughs> listening to the podcast I've already heard, us right. talk, you know, right? And, right. and the beauty of it is when you get one of those conversations with a new Mason, with an excited Mason, you know, it really sets that spark that initial spark that you had for masonry really just lights that back up and recharges it. And I, I love getting involved in one of those conversations with somebody that whether it's new, whether they're an officer, a master, they have an idea and they are just ready to rock and roll with it. I love when somebody gets on a roll like that. It really gets a hundred percent. The guys that I find when they're burnt out, man, the idea is just go have, go have, conversation with someone that's on fire for masonry and what what it really does i think is at least for me it reminds me of how i was at that age right yeah and uh and you get people excited about things uh it gets you excited about it maybe they have an idea or something that they're thinking about and kind of gets the juices flowing and gets you right back into that mindset of you know what's important not you know oh man i've got this stated meeting and i'm gonna have to push to raise the dues and it's going to be a battle and all this stuff it takes you out of that that frame of mind and puts you back into why you're doing what you're doing yeah and uh i you know i tell people all the time if you're not if you're at a certain level and you're not mentoring back uh, you're missing out on that opportunity because it's as much for you as it is for the new guy yeah absolutely Uh, now you step out of the grand east and this is something that I did not know until you uh, messaged me earlier today <laughs> that <laughs> that I am going to refer to as right worshipful because yeah. now now I know Ohio once you become most worshipful you retain most worshipful yeah PA you are right worshipful grandmaster they they do that so are are we calling you most worshipful while you're in the seat and then you move back to right worshipful when you exit? Correct. Uh, my joke with everybody was I don't get to be right for a year because you're right <laughs> as soon as you're elected grand junior warden up into the time that you uh, are grandmaster and then you're most and then after that you're right for life. Um, Got it. I forgot to tell my wife that she does not agree. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah so so we're right and and this is one of the few things uh, Texas does a lot of things different and some things I agree with and some things I don't, sure. but this is one I agree with because uh, I've been in rooms with grandmasters and past grandmasters from other jurisdictions. And there's, you know, eight most worshipfuls in a room. Well, most by the definition of the word, most can only be one. So um, in Texas, you're most worshipful from the time you're installed to the time you're uninstalled and your successor goes in and then you become right. Um, and so, so I, uh, I agree with, and I like that policy for that reason. The other one that people seem to always get tripped up on, there's only a couple jurisdictions that do it like we do. So we, in in blue lodge, you have junior warden, senior warden, 
Well, in Grand Lodge, we have Grand Junior Warden, Grand Senior Warden. We just add the Grand on the front end where a lot of people put it in between, you know, the the Junior and Senior. Yeah. Um, and so so for us, again, I, I kind of like that one because you've already got the office. You're just adding Grand on it. Right. Uh, it's just like being Master. You add Grand in front of it. Um, but a lot of people say Junior Grand Warden or Junior or Senior Grand Warden. So sure. just yeah, a couple small differences. That's we do that here. So Ohio. Uh, yeah. For, for yes, everybody I'm very that well aware. <laughs> for, for everyone that doesn't know where here is on, on yeah. this end. <laughs> you know, getting back to that stepping out of the grandies, you know. That's such a busy year. And obviously, <laughs> obviously you're busy in masonry. So I'm sure it didn't, you know, you didn't walk out and you were done with masonry, but obviously. There's a, I'm sure there's a deep breath moment and, uh, okay, let's circle the wagons and where are we <laughs> heading from here? You know? So what was life like day, you know, day one after their day one becoming right, I'll say. Well, the past grandmasters lied to me. The, the ones that I confide in and talk to, they told me, you know, the day after you go out of office, you're going to think your phone's broken. No one's going to talk to you, you know, it's yeah. gonna, and so I was expecting this really, really nice kind of retreat <laughs> and just, uh, you know, relax and rest. And such was not the case. Uh, I I would say I'm obviously I'm not as busy as I was last year. Last year was an incredible pace. It was unsustainable uh, for a year. You could do it. Yeah, uh, I, there's no way I could have kept doing what I was doing last year uh, beyond one year. Uh, so any of any of the Texas Masons listening, the people that are advocating for being grandmaster for more than one year, <laughs> uh, I guess you <laughs> can spread it all out. You're going to get the same amount of effort, but it's going to be spread out over three years if, if that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, so I go out and um, relax for about a month, maybe a month and a half. And uh, I'm immediately informed that our current grand secretary is now going to run for grand junior warden. And uh, my my group that kind of spurred me to run for grandmaster then turns around and says, well, you've got to run for grand secretary. So um, okay. I, I fought it for a little bit. Uh, but after talking to our current grand secretary and, and to my group, uh, praying about it, which I do, I pray before I make any decision. And sure. I guess I haven't said that up until now, but that's something that's very important in my life. Yeah. Um, so so kind of talked through it with my mentors, prayed about it. Talked about it with the wife, obviously. Uh, I turned in a statement of availability for grand secretary. So now I'm still running around the state. I, I was doing it anyway. I'm not doing anything different than I would have. Right. Uh, just a little bit different on uh, on how you uh, pick and choose the events that you're showing up to. Sure. Um, so it really hasn't slowed down a whole lot. I've been very fortunate uh, and blessed to be added to the um, MRC core committee along with your past grandmaster tim whelan yeah and he yeah. and i are are working with roger van gordon of uh, past grandmaster of indiana and several others to figure out ways to help cross jurisdictional um not yes. just one grand lodge but all the grand lodges and to make tools and resources available to them uh, so that's a really cool step that i didn't see coming um but was recommended and vetted and and put on the committee so now that's something uh just kind of really special that i get to do that that wasn't on on the trestle board uh by the way neither was grand secretary so both of those are kind of new and some of the ideas that i had and wanted to get back to 
that were set aside when I got elected grand junior warden uh, are now being put aside again for that. But that's kind of where I'm at right now and, and what I'm doing. Sure. Uh, but as far as the slowing down part, uh, I don't know that I have it in me, first of all. But second of all, <laughs> all this uh, all this extra work ain't helping. So, right, right. So people have asked me a lot, you know, hey, we had a lot. They say we had a lot of fun last year. What do you want people to remember and yeah. take away from that year? Yeah. Uh, and I, I always have the same two takeaways for me. One, don't be afraid to try something new. You know, yes. um, it's no secret that, you know, there was a bubble uh, after World War Two and that bubble is, is going away quicker. So it, it seems like we have this big membership problem. I don't think we do. Um, I think that we we have a perception problem. We need to tell people who and what we are and why not tell them why show them why. Yes. They should want to be a part of who we are, sure. uh, but we can only do that if we're trying some new stuff, right? If we're, if we're sitting in our lodge room behind four walls, reading minutes, uh, yeah. you know, paying bills, eating green no beans. one wants to join that eating green yeah. beans, of course. Yeah. All right. So calm down now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if, um, if that's what we're doing, that's what we're showing. Then obviously nobody's going to want to be a part of this. Don't be afraid to try something new. Uh, also, don't be afraid when it fails to, you know, to recalculate. Um, but but one of the things I think I was able to do as a younger grandmaster um, was to push new ideas forward. Uh, you know, if you're an older grandmaster, you're afraid to fail because that's going to be your legacy. Right. And you don't have a lot of time to make up for it. Yeah, I had a lot of time to make up for it. Uh, and 20 years from now, will people remember the mistakes that I made uh, when I was grandmaster? Probably not. So. I, I had that leadway, but if you're a young leader in Freemasonry, don't be afraid to try things new. If you're an old leader in Freemasonry, don't be afraid to support those new ideas and those new things that are coming forward. Um, some of them will work and uh, we'll use those to strengthen the craft. And the other thing is um, just kind of a something that I see cross jurisdictional. I see it everywhere I go. I see it very prevalent in Texas is we think short term in Masonry. Um, yes. Yes. In Texas, we've been around 187 years uh, worldwide, over 300, depending on who you ask, but over 300, no matter what. Yeah. Um, why do we think about things in three to five years? This organization is not a three to five year organization. Exactly. This organization is a, you know, 100 years, next 50 years, next 100 years um, type organization. So when you're thinking about solutions to a problem, if you can't fix it in four or five years, it's OK. Right. Like we we yeah. spent 30 or 40 years getting in some of the problems that we're in right now. Uh, exactly. Some of our buildings have issues. Some of our, you know, uh, the, I guess just way that we put our story out there. These things have been developed or not being developed for 30 or 40 years. Now you're going to start something. Have a have a wider view, have a wider swatch of what what time frame this is going to take. Sure. But don't be afraid to start something today that might take, you know, 30 or 40 years to complete think about the great cathedral builders you know who were kind of um i guess styled after in, in a lot of our symbolism yeah you know they didn't complete a cathedral in 10 years they didn't certainly not in four or five years right. it took hundreds of years right and so yeah. think about our fraternity in that kind of a long-term perspective and build something even if it won't be completed in your lifetime build something that will be here uh, in, you know, 30, 40, hundred years, whatever, but, but start something today that will outlast you and will benefit masonry. 
Uh, and then the final thing, and really for the younger guys who I assume are going to tune into this, this show, cause you know, I'm, I'm a younger grandmaster. Um, don't necessarily view adversity as a negative thing. Um, certainly there are going to be guys that, uh, you know, you, you had kind of put in the notes, something about hurdles that I faced as grandmaster. Sure. Um, there are guys that are going to throw hurdles in front of you just cause they don't like you or just cause they don't like you know, the new masonry, whatever you want to say. Right. Uh, and they're just going to throw hurdles in front of you. Don't necessarily pay attention to those guys, but the guys that do respect and support young people, if they throw a hurdle or, or some adversity in front of you, you might want to look at that because there's probably some reason or some aspect to why that person who generally supports young masons is now putting forward uh, a complaint. You know, uh, one of the things that I was worried about being a young grandmaster is if, if you do well, then every young guy is going to say, well, I should be grandmaster. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, it's not the case. It, it, and, and so for young guys that are coming in, I advocate uh, doing things the right way, taking the right steps, building the right resume to put yourself in a position to lead. But the same thing with new ideas. If you've got a new idea and you toss it out there and you get negative feedback, don't immediately, you know, get upset. Uh, look at that. That negative feedback can make your idea, and it can take it from a good idea to a great idea, right. a great idea to an outstanding idea. So take that feedback, meet with that brother, sit down with them, and uh, and get their feedback and why they think it won't work or what they think it needs, and then utilize that to make a better product. And same thing goes if you got if you got older listeners, same thing. Set that young guy down, you know, yeah. have a conversation with him, buy him a beer or coffee or you know, a meal, whatever, whatever your custom is and sit down and mentor that guy. But if, if we have some mentorship between the young guys and the old guys, uh, you know, I think we're going to be so much better off. Masonry is built on bringing people together. Yes. Um, and we see this all the time. We are 90% alike. We are 10% different. Yes. And we just gripe about the 10% where we're different. Find that Find that 80, 90, 95% where we all agree, find a way to move forward and push in that direction and, and watch what happens. You know, uh, yeah. the 5% will take care of itself. So, sure. I, I absolutely love that. Well said. Um, yes. Last yeah. but not least, and, and I always I always throw this in there because it's a hard question to answer for people that even myself who love masonry sometimes to frame up this answer. Your elevator pitch, what is Freemasonry about? If I come up to you on the streets of Lubbock every time, <laughs> you know, all the times I'm in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> um, come on down. Yeah, right. Um, but I come up to you, I see your square and compass or your ring or your, you know, your bumper sticker. And I say, hey, what's it all about? Why should I be a part of this? You know, so I, I take a little bit different approach on this, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I The first thing that I think is b before you have an elevator pitch, we all have elevator pitches. Yeah. It's not working. It's not working. I mean, you know, somebody walks up to me on the street and says, hey, I want to join, you know, tell me what, why I should want to join masonry. Sure. If you tell them nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, they're not going to join. Um, I think what you need to tell them is, hey, we have an event going on down here. You come meet the guys. You come see the event that's going on, and I'll show you what masonry is. Um, you know, what I tried to do all last year with social media is show people who and what we are. Uh, 
it goes back to the old saying, you know, you tell somebody something, they won't remember it. But you show them one time what it is and you explain it to them and show it to them at the same time, they'll never forget it. So if someone came up to me and said, hey, I want to know more about this masonry thing, I'd say, OK, great. I'll, I'll be happy to tell you all about it. Come to this event, this day, this time, and I'll, and I'll show you who we are. Um, Love it. A little bit controversial, but, uh, you know, I, I just think it makes sense. And yeah. what we're doing is not working. So if this doesn't work, at least I'm on par with what everybody else is doing. Yeah, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, I want to thank you, Right Warshmore. I can't believe I didn't mess that up, though. I was I was <laughs> like, I actually wrote like three different times, RWB, RWB. <laughs> so there you go. There I, I want to thank you, Right Warshmore, Brother Billings, for coming on the show. I know it's been a long time coming, but it was everything that I thought it would be and more. And I know when you get on with an excited mason we could keep talking masonry but we also have to continue our other lives too so <laughs> yeah, i get back to work at some point <laughs> yeah yeah so i wanted to say thank you for the time and i really appreciate it thank you brother hall really appreciate your time today and uh in your platform i keep using it to uh to get your voice out there and and other masons because i think it is so important and vital to uh, to the guys that are coming along, the guys that have been there and been active, and the guys that are the mentoring the younger generation. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. We need more of it. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening, and we'll see you again. Mm -hmm.